Welcome to the Virtual Chapter Podcast, the show that helps you become a world-class virtual CEO, run a profitable and scalable online business, and build a thriving virtual team. We're talking the systems, strategies, and leadership skills that will help you show up, sell out, and do it all with a mountain of ease. Each week, we'll be breaking down the operation side of online business in a way that feels fun and inspiring. We'll share tech tools and tips, systems to streamline and scale, secrets to hiring and leading your high-performing team, and interviews with leading business experts to show you what it really takes to build your business online. I'm your host, Nivek Harrison, CEO of The Virtual Chapter, an award-winning virtual support agency where we help leading coaches, consultants, and creatives build businesses bigger than themselves, create a global impact with a virtual team, and generate more cash than they ever knew possible. Are you ready to up-level your online business? Let's dive in. The process of recording this episode was the biggest reminder of exactly the lessons I'm going to share with you in this episode. So I had been workshopping this specific podcast episode with my coach. The idea being, I wanted to share some of the biggest lessons I've learned from working with clients who have scaled their business to seven figures. And as we were starting to play, one of the questions she asked me was like, okay, well, what are the lessons? (laughs) What are the lessons you want to share? And I was thinking about these things and I was so caught up in the idea of like, these lessons aren't shiny enough. There's nothing, you know, particularly controversial or particularly exciting or different in this list. And that's kind of the whole damn point. (laughs) And so that's what I really wanted to share with you in today's episode is yes, these are the biggest lessons I've learned. And I also don't think they're necessarily going to surprise you in the way that you're expecting. So let's jump straight into it. The first lesson that I have learned from my seven figure clients is the importance of having a really robust CEO mindset. Now, when I talk about CEO mindset, I mean, really transitioning yourself from a place of being or as treating your business as a hobby, as treating your business as something secondary, something you do only when you feel inspired Treating your business as a CEO means you show up every day. And I mean, not every day. You don't need to work every day to be a CEO, but you show up in the way that your business needs you to show up in order to achieve the goals that you want to achieve, right? As the CEO, you know that for the most part, for most of you listening, your business relies so much on you. We are running personal brands. We are running very small teams. Our business requires so much of us personally. And so as a CEO, we show up whether we feel like it or not, because things need to move forward. Now, that doesn't mean we can't take intentional rest. That doesn't mean we can't take a break from our business. That doesn't mean that there are going to be times where we don't push through because we know pushing through is not going to get us the best results. But it also means we're not sitting there waiting (laughs) for inspiration to strike, waiting to feel like we want to work. There are going to be times where we don't want to work on our business, and that's okay. And also, we know that sometimes the best way to find that desire is to get started. There are plenty of mornings that I get up and I say to Drew, oh, I just don't feel like it today. And yet the minute I actually sit down and dive into things, all of it starts flowing. The inspiration starts to come. Now that's very different from the days I get up and I'm like, you know what? I didn't sleep well. I need extra time. Or you know what? I'm just feeling a little bit flat. 
I need to go do something that is nourishing for me before I start working, whatever it might be. But treating your business as a CEO, operating yourself from that place of I am the CEO of this business and therefore there are certain things that are required of me, that are expected of me, that I just know I need to do in order to move the business forward is one of the biggest shifts that I see my seven figure clients make. The second one is the relationship these clients have to their systems. These leaders see systems as a gateway to more money, a gateway to more opportunity and a gateway to more freedom. They are not sitting there thinking that, oh, if I systematize this, it's going to feel stifling. Or if I have a really in-depth process around this, my team aren't going to have the flexibility they desire. They understand the importance of structure and systems within the business and especially the relationship of structure and systems to creativity, because we are talking about, for the most part, People with very full lives, whether that is very large businesses holding big numbers of clients, whether they are people who also have very full lives outside of business, they're mamas, they have things going on. They do not want to be tied to their desk 40, 50, 60 hours a week when a system, a process, a team member can really support them to grow, to scale and to focus their time and energy. And I think that's one of the really big lessons is the systems in our business, when we're hitting that this stage of you know late multi six into seven figures and beyond, we cannot be doing everything, right? It is just not possible to do everything in your business the way you maybe did in the early years. And it's really normal that in those first few years of business, you are wearing every hat, you are figuring it all out yourself, you are DIYing and bootstrapping the heck out of everything. That doesn't work as we continue to grow right? Because we don't want to be tied to our laptops 24-7. We don't want to be the person who is responsible for everything. And we also know there are going to be times where we're not available for whatever reason. And in order to have the business that we want at this size, things need to be able to move forward without us specifically being in it. Number three is decision-making. Seven-figure entrepreneurs, seven-figure CEOs do not shy away from making decisions. They do not shy away from making the big, tough, hard decisions. They do not shy away from making decisions quickly and being okay with the impact of those decisions. They know it's so important to make the decision quickly and keep moving so that everybody else in the business Everybody else can continue moving forward and they themselves can also continue moving forward. They don't sit in indecision for very long periods of time. Now, that's not to say you have to jump the gun (laughs) by any stretch, but they trust themselves so deeply to know that whatever decision they make, they're going to figure it out. If they make the decision to close a program, even if they don't necessarily have all of the pieces figured out yet, they trust that it's going to work out. If they decide to do a launch in a certain way, even if it's different or new or it's not the way they've previously launched, they trust that they can work it out. And I think it's those two pieces of the puzzle that play so importantly together at this stage of business is we have to be able to make big decisions really quickly. (laughs) And we have to know that regardless of the outcome of that decision, 
we can take that accountability and responsibility to figure it out, to make the changes, to adjust, to continue moving forward. I often speak with a number of my clients around the fact that there are really no bad decisions that we're making at this stage of business, right? Outside of anything that is, you know, maybe a little bit ethically or morally questionable, and I'm very grateful not to work with those sorts of clients, but most of our decisions, there is no downside. There's no wrong way to look at it. There is no wrong way to launch. There are multiple different ways to launch. We know historically what has worked in our business. We can see what's working for other people. We can see what's happening out in the market. But doing a masterclass or a challenge isn't going to make or break, right? And we know that. We know that really, really deeply. And so it allows us to make a decision, deal with the impacts of that decision and continue to always be holding ourselves accountable, holding ourselves responsible and really existing in that personal accountability space so that we can keep moving forward. We're not playing a blame game of like, oh, well, my launch didn't go well because I did a masterclass over a challenge. That's not the piece, right? That's not the thing. The next one is kind of related to this, but it is that these seven-figure CEOs understand that tough conversations are a part of business and they do not shy away from having them. And this has certainly been something that I've learned, particularly over the last 12 to 18 months. There are a lot of really tough conversations we're going to have as business owners, whether that is with our team. It could be about hiring. It could be about firing. It could just be about performance. We're going to have really uncomfortable conversations at time with our team members It could be with clients. We have clients who are going to stretch us and challenge us in many, many ways, who are going to push boundaries and push the limits of what we consider acceptable. And if we let that slide, which often we do in those early stages of business, right? We let the thing slide because we need these clients. We feel like there is no other option than to, you know, kind of bend over backwards for a lot of people. At this stage, when we're talking about holding a seven-figure business, The boundaries are so, so important. And so having those tough conversations and not shying away for calling people out on the things that just don't align with the way that you want to do business is incredibly important. It might be tough conversations around people who you admired, who've done something shitty or people who follow you that do something shitty. I mean, it's something that I've navigated with almost all of my clients this year is that we've had someone plagiarize their content, their website, their offers their con like their actual program content we're not going to just let that slide because oh well there's you know plenty of space no like these are really important foundations to our business even if this is somebody who is a client or somebody who is you know in our circle very close to us we're still going to have that conversation we're still going to hold that boundary Obviously, depending on who it is, it's going to look very, very different in the exact way we do it. But those conversations are still going to happen. And those conversations are also going to be happening outside of the home. I'm heading into a launch season. I'm having a lot of conversations with my partner right now around the type of support I need outside of work so that I can show up fully. Right. And sometimes it sucks to have to have those conversations of like, I need to work more. I need to be more available to my business and therefore I need support outside. This is what I need from you in order to do that. These are constant conversations we're having. And I think the first few times that we're having all of these different types of conversations are going to feel really icky. They're going to feel stretchy. They're going to feel uncomfortable. And then they start to feel really normal, right? There's going to be different hard conversations that come up, but they're going to feel, they're going to start to feel just like a piece of the puzzle, 
right? Just another thing that we have to move through and navigate. And I think part of that is also having systems and processes. We document the communication so we can use it again next time. Like everything is sort of written down, saved for later so that we're not having to reinvent the wheel every single time. The final lesson, and I think this is often the hardest one to learn and the hardest one to accept, is that at this stage of business, it often looks really fucking boring. And I know that can be really hard to hear because we want our businesses to be exciting and innovative and we want to be doing different things. And we often, again, in those early stages, we treat our business as the be all and end all. Everything goes into the business. The business is everything to us. And because of that, we're often jumping between shiny objects. We're jumping on new trends really quickly. We're changing offers. We're changing niches. We're changing processes. We're testing and trying new technology. At this stage of business, if I sit down here and and genuinely look at all of my clients who have built to that million, business looks really boring. It looks really repeatable. We do the same or similar things week to week, month to month, quarter to quarter. There is still place. There's still so much space for creativity and innovation within that. But because the bones of it are so boring, we actually have more space to be creative. So, for example, we know exactly what our launches look like. We know the process for our launches. We know the technology. We know the setup. We know the process. We know the timelines. We've got all of that down pat. Where we have space is to play with the ideas, the concepts, the topics we're going to be sharing, the way we want to support people. We might have space to play with adding in something new to each launch. But the reason we can do that is because we have the foundations so, so solid that we're always adding in rather than completely reinventing the wheel. And again, I think this is a really hard lesson. And this is certainly a conversation I've had with my coach many times because I am somebody who likes to chase that dopamine. right? Give me the shiny, fun project to work on. And also in this season, I look at our last 12 months, which have been our biggest 12 months. We've done the same thing on repeat over and over again. We've nailed our hiring process. We can roll that out on repeat. We are reasonably comfortable with our content process. We can roll content out on repeat. Now, content is the one place that I do definitely see the most innovation. And also, I think, again, at this stage of business, we get to know You don't have to reinvent the wheel just because there's a new platform that shows up. Yeah, we're going to jump in and we're going to dabble. Over the last three years, we've dabbled in TikTok. We've, you know, we all jumped on threads earlier this year and none of us lasted very long. YouTube's certainly experiencing a resurgence. And I think there's going to be more people moving into video content in the next 12 months. But we're not doing that because we have to be on TikTok in order to be successful, Right. We know what works for us right now. We're watching and monitoring what's going on in the online space to make decisions about what best serves us and our audiences and the way that we want to show up. Not because we have any FOMO about missing out on a trend or an idea or, you know, not being an early adopter of a platform. So I think being okay with it looking really fucking boring. (laughs) And it's so funny because like I speak to my clients and none of us feel bored by our businesses. But if we look at what we do, it's 
the same. It's quite repetitive. There is still lots of space, like I said, lots of space for creativity and innovation. We're dealing with clients. So there's obviously going to be different questions and different problems that clients are bringing to us and different ways that they want to be supported or different ways that we want to create content or improve our content to support clients. But for the most part, the actual bones of the business look the same. They look so, so boring. We can pretty accurately predict what the next 12 months is going to look like in business. And I don't say that to be discouraging because I actually don't think it's discouraging at all. I think it's fantastic to be at a stage of business where you can predict your next 12 months because I remember being at a stage of business where it's like, I don't really know what's happening next month, let alone next year. But at this stage, we can go, okay, well, this is what we know is going to happen. And what do we want to add to that? Where are our growth edges? Where are we experimenting? Where do we want to push things further? So you see how the both get to play out together. And I think that's certainly for me been one of the biggest lessons I've had to learn. And it's taken me the last couple of years to really sit into this is that it's okay if it looks really boring. It's kind of a sign of success. And it's the most underrated sign of success you'll ever see. I hope these lessons have been really helpful to listen to. I think they are things that you can apply no matter what stage of business you're at, but especially as you're starting to move into the season of, you know, late multi-six, seven figures plus, knowing that it's okay, this is what it looks like. Like I have so much so much to learn from being behind the scenes of so many different businesses as well as being in our own that I want you to feel comforted by the fact that this is what it looks like. This is what it gets to look like in order to grow your business to these heights. I'd love to continue this conversation with you. So jump on over to Instagram, send me a DM at the virtual chapter. I would love to hear some of your biggest lessons in business, in your business journey so far, or even some of the lessons from this episode that you found most surprising. I'll see you again next time.